Welcome to the game of crowdfunding. Not going to call it interview edition, and I'll tell you why in a second here, but we are recording this Saturday, January 11th, 2014, and I think we're going to go with chronicling the road to relaunch this. Uh, it's going to be kind of a monthly, bi-monthly, we'll see. Uh, as we have things to talk about, it's going to be at least monthly, but we are going to look at a project that was unsuccessful its first go out and lessons were learned and now it's going to relaunch sometime this summer and we'll find out more details about that as we go along. But we're going to chronicle that road to relaunch and look at this project as we go along. So who are we talking to today? You are talking to Doug Lewandowski from Meltdown Games, makers in the future, we hope, of Gothic Doctor. That's right. We're going to be talking about Gothic Doctor. We're going to chronicle the road to relaunch for Gothic Doctor. Let's first start. go ahead and start with a little bit about Meltdown Games. Let's reintroduce Meltdown Games to our uh, audience, even though Doug has been on the show before. But tell us a little bit about Meltdown Games and, and uh, how that came to be. Sure. So uh, Meltdown Games is a company that I started with a good friend of mine, John McNeil, and we actually formed the company in order to bring Gothic Doctor to the world. So that came first, and then the company as, a, as an entity came second. But it's basically the two of us, and we base the name on uh, an old comic book series of Havoc and Wolverine, who are our two favorite X-Men minds, Havoc, his is Wolverine. And uh, so when we were thinking about a, a name for the company, it was just natural. You know, why not go full blown geek if we're going to be a game company? So and let's go ahead and uh, reintroduce Gothic Doctor to everybody. So uh, let's have the high level pitch for Gothic Doctor. Sure. Gothic Doctor is a two to four player game where players compete to treat the most patients and earn the most money. Uh, and those patients are patients from gothic literature, from your sort of run-in-the-mill bite victims all up to uh, the big bad Dracula himself. And it's a set creation game where you use treatments from your hand to treat those patients who are out on the board. Some take more treatments than others, and those, of course, earn you more money if you're able to treat one that requires more treatments. And the premise of the game is that you have one night to earn the most money for your practice, and whoever does is going to make a partner. There's uh, suddenly a space after an unfortunate incident a couple weeks ago with a mad scientist and a couple werewolves. So if you show the practice that you are able to take care of the big boys, you are looking good to be a member of the practice as a partner. And this is a game that uh, Jordan and I did review on the podcast. So I will include a link to the original review. Plus, I have talked with Doug and John in the past, so I will include a link for that as well in the show notes so you can go check out our previous conversations. So this was something that was on Kickstarter and unfortunately was not successful. So we are now looking at what happened and uh, what action items are going to be taken and what it takes to get a project back out on Kickstarter. And fingers crossed, we're looking at it being successful and we will follow through all the way through to the end of the project and chronicle this relaunch. Now, just to be uh, completely transparent too from my end, again, this was a game we reviewed. We really, really enjoyed it. We thought it was a great game. This was a game, one of many that I've seen come a, a, across our desk, if you will, that we really enjoyed. We really wanted to see it succeed on Kickstarter and unfortunately did not for one reason or another. So it's a game that I really believe in. 
So from that aspect, when Doug approached me, Doug asked if I would help in some capacity to see this game get relaunched. Uh, it didn't take me long to know that this was something I did want to be involved in. So I, I am going to be actively involved in the process. Now it's going to be John and Doug doing all the real work, <laughs> but I'm going to be involved in, uh, consulting with them and giving them some advice here and there. And of course, providing this space to chronicle the relaunch. And the entire reason I am doing that is because I do believe in this game. It's not a monetary thing. It's not anything like that. This is Doug and John have a very good game, a very solid game, a game that I really did thoroughly enjoy and I think needs to be relaunched. Thank you. No brainer for me to get back involved. <laughs> and we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to be getting as much help as we can to make it as successful as possible. So you, you were on Kickstarter. I should have pulled up the old one. Uh, how close were you guys to actually funding? Do you recall? I want to say 44%. Okay. I might just be confusing that with my old Boy Scout troop number, but it was somewhere <laughs> in that, in that neighborhood. So you, you still had a, a fairly uh, long road ahead of you to see this be successful. Yeah. Yeah. When we talked, do you kind of recall about where you were when, when we finally uh, were able to get the interview in? I think we were about 42%. You know, in, in Kickstarter campaigns, usually there's that sort of people, some people have described it as the you. You know, mm -hmm. your big bump at the beginning, not so much in the middle, and then a big bump at the end. We didn't really see that big bump at the end, probably because we were so far away from funding. So anybody who was watching it was thinking, well, why go through and, you know, take the clicks it takes to, to get there. And we've had conversations off and on outside of this. And one of the things and one of the reasons why other than the game and it being a solid game is one of the takeaways that you've always kind of expressed to me is that you want to help others learn lessons that you've mm -hmm. already learned without having heartache that goes along with it right. in their projects. And something that obviously I say quite a bit, especially lately on the game of crowdfunding stuff, is that we're just getting to a point where there's so much information out there. Nobody needs to go into anything blind anymore. Right. So that was one of the cool things, too. And that was one of the reasons why Doug and I kind of put together this chronicling the road to relaunch idea is not only do we want you guys to know what Meltdown Games is doing to get this game back out there and to get it successfully funded, we want you, if you're thinking about launching a campaign, not to have to do some struggling if you don't have to and to give you your best foot forward to get your game or project successfully funded as well. So what were some of the early then uh, lessons that you that struck you as the campaign was kind of winding down? Yeah, so one of the things that was clear to us immediately, even as the campaign was going, right as we started to hit that second week dip, was that we had not done enough to get copies of the game into reviewers' hands. You know, Jeff, I think you got it probably two or three weeks into the campaign already of a four-week campaign. There's really no reason if, if your game is done, which it absolutely should be before it goes to Kickstarter. I think there's no reason that reviewers shouldn't have had that for a few months ahead of time to, you know, be able to fit it into their schedule. Because as I'm sure if people listen to the show regularly, they've heard you say, like, just how packed your schedule is with, you know, games and games and games to review. 
so getting it into the reviewer's hands way ahead of time so that the day you launch, you can have, you know, those however many reviews you can get about the game telling people, yeah, this is a, a good product because I know a lot of people, myself included, have been burned by games that looked awesome on Kickstarter and they look so good that you didn't bother to see if there were any reviews and then you get them and you realize it's not what you expected or were hoping for. So getting it into the reviewer's hands well ahead of time so that they can say, yeah, this is a, a solid game and you guys should check it out here, watch us play it, hear us talk about it, that sort of thing. That would be, I would say, the very first thing we realized we had done wrong. I would say from my perspective as a reviewer, I don't know how well it comes off in the show itself, and I don't know if we really talk about it that much. I, I know I've talked about at least including your reviewers early as possible. For me, I actually don't like having to turn anybody away. And unfortunately, there's no way for me to get around that because time is time. <laughs> but yeah, I remember we got Gothic Doctor. I think we really scrambled with it to try to get something to you before your campaign ended and get you interviewed as well. Yeah. And it was, it was one of those things. It's one of those things I've been saying lately. It's, it's one of the reasons why we have a rush review fee for Kickstarter projects if we don't have the game a month or more in advance, because right. it's just hard for me. You know, I, I think this past week alone, I think I've maybe had to tell five or six people, no, you're, you're already launched and I'm booked out review wise for Kickstarters until March already. And I just can't fit any more in. So it really, that's one of those points that I try to hit home and I don't know if I hit it home enough, but I, I thoroughly agree with you that the sooner you can, if you're going to use reviewers and okay, I might be a little bit biased on this, but I will tell you, I'm not saying you have to use us as a reviewer, but if, especially if you're an unknown with a brand new game, you probably need to hit at least one or two reviewers that people do trust to try to take a look right. at your game. Get a hold of them as soon as possible. And by as soon as possible, I mean a month is actually at this point now, I almost want to readjust my conversation to say, if you don't get it to me two months out, because like I said, I'm booked till March now. So yeah, I, I fully agree with, with that statement for sure that uh, if you're going to use reviewers, don't wait until you've hit the launch button. And the other thing I would say is this isn't necessarily something we assumed, but it is something in conversations with other people who've done Kickstarters that I know others have assumed. You know, just because a a review group or single reviewer doesn't charge for Kickstarter reviews, which you know some of the some places do, just because of the volume, don't assume that they're desperate for content. I was at one session at a, at a thing I went to where one of the people talking said, oh, yeah, I mean, if, if they're not going to charge you, they really want your game. So, like, just reach out to them, be nice, and guaranteed they'll take it. And I was sitting in the audience going, that, mm, yeah, about that. So assume that, yeah, they do want to look at your game, but assume that there are only 24 hours in a day and at least two of those are needed for sleep. So I will go on record saying it for us because we – Jordan and I sat down and actually had the conversation and we 100% do not ever want to actually charge for reviews. That's just our take on things. But what we did and part of it was to try to, it wasn't to make money, but let's be honest. I mean, we got to pay bills on our site and, and our web hosting and our media hosting and all that stuff too. So every little bit helps. But for us to, to charge the rush review, which again, for us, it, it's not a huge amount of money. 
Right. We're not trying to gouge anybody. And as it stands right now, we say if you get it to us a month ahead of time, there's no charge at all. But it was to try to stem that flow of people that would say, hey, I launched two weeks ago. Can you get this to me this week? Or, hey, I, I, you know, I, I hit the launch button. I can get this to you. You know, I, I still have to order it and it's got to get made and it'll eventually ship to you. But as soon as you get it, do it that day. And, and we were getting a lot of that. We were, and we were wow. starting to get a, a ton of those. And like I said, I, I'm in this and I've said this many times before. My entire reason for being in the podcasting realm and in the gaming realm uh, is my love of community. The love of the community aspect of the gaming industry, the love of the community community aspect of uh, the people we interact with because of the podcast. So I have, I do have a hard time saying no if I can help it, but I'm also very aware of my time. I live and breathe by my schedule these days. Right. You and I are, are personal friends on Facebook as well. You may recall the post I had to make about Megan and I, my fiance, looking at our schedules to find out when we could cook. Cook chili, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, it has legitimately got to that point at times. I live and breathe by my schedule and by what I've set for my schedule because I'm not going to give up time for my personal life either. I mean, there, there's a certain right. amount of time I got to, I want to spend with my fiance. I want to be able to be able to hang out in the kitchen and make chili if that's what <laughs> we're going to do. So yeah, it's, we don't charge for reviews. We charge for the rush. But I am not, I had, I actually, uh, this past weekend, I grabbed a tub, put it in the room because I have games all over the house that have been sent to us for review. And I'm like, I need these in one place so I can get a visual right. on where I'm sitting for reviews right now. And I filled the tub and I probably need to go get another one. <laughs> and I know at least, like I said, four or five people that I'm in conversations with that are like, Hey, have you gotten it yet? And I'm like, no, it's, it's still not here. But so I know there's more on the way. Yeah, I'm not hurting for guests for my podcast or games to review, <laughs> uh, well, which is a good which is a good problem to have. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad I don't have that problem. I guess right. And, and I see the the modest fee for a rush review. You know, like it's the same way libraries use uh, use late fees. Like they're not charging you that 25 cent late fee so that all of those you know fabulously wealthy librarians can have gold plated. Uh, cups to drink their champagne out of it's it's just so that you say oh right i'm not supposed to have this late so i shouldn't do this because then i have to pay that 25 cents yeah. it's not for them to make money it's just as a like hey this isn't the right way to do it no. i'm legitimately happy to have games come in the door that and to review them and to work with people that have kickstarters coming up that don't ever give me a dime i know that's and i do have a business sense <laughs> For anybody that thinks I don't, I do have a sense for the business side of things. But for me, the podcasting aspect and the game review aspect, that's not what I'm in that in, in this particular uh, realm for. Uh, I'm, I'm here to help the community any way I can is how I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was a lesson. <laughs> yes. Just to let people know, we're going to kind of talk about lessons that are learned as the campaign came to a wind down and or uh, uh, came to an end. And then next time we have this conversation, we'll start talking about the actionable items that Meltdown Games uh, started putting in place to lead towards the relaunch that we're going to be looking at this summer. So we're just going to share some of the, uh, again, the, the early lessons learned uh, before actionable items were put in place. So, all right, reviewers, what, what, what do you got for me next? So the, the other thing was being inexperienced with Kickstarter, we were thinking that 
the way it works is you put your thing on Kickstarter and that's how people see it. Because for me and for John, the way we always find out about stuff on Kickstarter is we go on Kickstarter, we poke around, we look and we see, oh yeah, that looks cool. Let me, you know, look about it and see about it. And yeah, it has some, you know, that looks cool that, you know, I like that theme, whatever. So we were treating Kickstarter as our marketing and Kickstarter is not your marketing. It's a very small piece of your marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And so for somebody coming out of the gate as their first game, you can't just throw that up there. I think you were talking to, uh, was it Jason Tagmeyer was talking about, he, he put the one game up there just to see what would happen. Yes. And it was like nothing, nothing happened and it was bad. And, and he had already had one successful game at that point, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I've talked about that. And I've also talked about, and, and I haven't named the person. If they ever want to come on and, and talk, I, I will, but it's somebody I, I know personally, but I've also talked about, I know somebody that has had two very successful Kickstarters, like extremely successful Kickstarters for indie games. I mean, you know, we're not, we're not talking zombie side numbers or anything, but right. uh, they've had very successful Kickstarters and their, their next Kickstarter was a game completely different than the two successful ones. And they went in thinking, and they've agreed. I mean, we've had conversations about it and they said, yeah, that's, that's where we had problems. They went in trying to rely on the fact that these other two games, which are completely different types of games, were very successful. And here's here's the reviews we got on those games, but they decided not to do reviews on the new game, thinking they were kind of going into it like we're established now almost. Right. But it was such a different divergence of a game, it was not successful. I think they ended up even canceling it because they just knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. So even there, you're looking at somebody, again, two very successful campaigns, games that have been talked about off and on in the game review circle uh, very positively, but coming at it at a brand new angle, totally different type of game, totally different style of game, mm-hmm. just failed. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I guess along those lines, it's that idea that where, however well established you are, and we were not established, so not even not well established, just not established. You could always do more to make sure that people know what sort of product they're going to get. And that goes along with getting the reviews, but also to make sure that you've created that base for the game, created the excitement for the game before you go out there. We hadn't taken the game to any conventions. We hadn't played it with anybody but our friends and some of our friends' friends. We just hadn't laid the groundwork for people to know about the game ahead of time. We had you know, created a Twitter two, three months ahead of time because we said, oh, yeah, we should probably have a Twitter when we have our, you know, uh, our Kickstarter going. You know, made the Facebook group a month before ish. Didn't uh, put our Kickstarter up for, you know, uh, people to take a look at ahead of time and give us advice on. Just kind of popped out and said, hey, everybody, here we are. And one of the most telling things was at a convention around here, I met the folks who run Cardboard Edison and who are, you know, really tuned into the the game world. And they're just such wonderful and and nice people. And I was talking to them about Gothic Doctor after the the funding had been unsuccessful. And they said, oh, yeah, I think I, I saw something about that. Are you guys coming to Kickstarter anytime soon? And I said, well, we were we were on there and it it, it didn't you know, it didn't work out. And they said, oh. Oh, we, we didn't know you were on there. So, you know, even people who are really keyed into the community, we had a nice little bump at the start where we were towards the top of the popular this week list. But once that dropped, it was the only way to find out about it was to scroll to the bottom of the list. And I realized as I was scrolling to the bottom of the list to find us one day, I've never scrolled to the bottom of the popular this week list. And I don't, I don't know how many people have, but if you're thinking about 
running the Kickstarter, scroll to the bottom of that list. See, just see how far down it goes. That page loads and reloads and reloads a bunch of times. And if you're if you're down there, people are probably not going to stumble onto you. So you got to get the buzz going ahead of time. Part of that is getting reviewers. Part of that is being involved in the community. Part of that is letting people know who you are and, and what you're about ahead of time so that your name is out there and so that people say, yeah, these seem like the sort of guys who would put out a great product. Yeah, I, I've kind of been saying this off and on. I don't know if I've been saying it on the show, but definitely behind the scenes. But Kickstarter is is not the place for secrets. It's not the place for surprises. It's not a surprise party for your project, for your campaign. It's not like, <laughs> right. hey, surprise, here we are. And yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a mentality you definitely got to get over if you're like, oh, I've got this really cool super secret thing I want to do and I'm just going to just going to throw it at the world and they're just going to be amazed. It's it I'm I'm sorry, but it's probably not going to happen unless it's like a major licensed IP that everybody's scrambling for and and a thousand people are going to share when they see it the first day, but especially if you're an indie designer and you're coming and you might have a great game. You might have the greatest idea in the world. You you might, but Kickstarter is not going to help you let the rest of the world know that. There it's a like I said, a small portion, but I can't stress enough and, and I've stressed it over now. I mean share and reshare and and months, if not up to a year in advance, <laughs> you should be building your base. You should be having people know who you are and what you're working on and that you're working towards the campaign. And and it can be anything. I, I know people that have like kind of shied away from sharing art because all they have is sketches. They don't have the fully colored in. I'm like, there's an entire market out there. People want to see the process. They want to see those sketches. And then they want to see them when they're colored in to see how far the, the game has come. Speaking of which, actually, if you want to check out the process of sketches uh, for some of the art that our artist uh, has completed, we actually have that on our website. So just uh, I'm going to throw that plug in right there. There you go. <laughs> which would be MeltdownGames.com? MeltdownGames.com. Yep. <laughs> right. But those are the type of things. It's like, oh, no, I, it's not it's not complete. It's, you know, okay, six, six months, a year out, it's not going to necessarily be complete. You might still be working on it. You're probably still tweaking rules, potentially. Right. But the people that you let know about it are going to appreciate it. The people that you ask for feedback on, hey, here's the sketch that we're going to look at. Now you've empowered people, and now they're like, hey, I have a stake in this. I got to keep following this. And all of those little tiny pieces, uh, that whole building blocks, you're building that stair up to your Kickstarter launching and having people walk in the door on day one and just help you out and show, you know, this huge amount of support right up front, which then shows other people coming along that might find it because it's at the top of popular because all these people backed it right away right. Uh, and go, hey, you know, obviously something's here. He's already got 50, 75, 100 backers, whatever it is, and has a, a nice chunk of funding already. All of that happens because of the labor that you put up front. It, it doesn't happen because you put it on Kickstarter and you walked away. <laughs> right. And the other thing I would say is, since I've been getting more involved with the community, it's important to not just treat this as, okay, I'm going to set myself up in the community so that I can use these people later. If, if you're doing that, just forget about it. Like Walk away. If all you want is to have a bunch of people who you only care about insofar as they'll back your project or not, just don't. But if you're giving people feedback on their work because you care about their projects, that's different. You know, that 
that level of sincerity is something that I don't think people can fake. So, you know, there are tons of forums on Kickstarter, tons of groups where you can give people feedback for stuff and, you know, they'll, they'll ask for advice and you can give them advice and they'll take it or they won't. And I would say if you're not sincerely committed to that in not just a, well, I'll do this now so that they'll do this later kind of way, it's not even going to be worth it because people are going to see that it always, you know, you're, you're always bringing it back to, well, when I did my Kickstarter that, oh, by the way, that's coming in, uh, that'll be out March 15th or 16th. We haven't decided yet, but anyway, we did this, 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 and this, and now we're going to do this, 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 and this is going to be awesome. I like your video, (laughs) you know, like that's, you just can't, you can't do that. It's not treating it as a community. It's treating it as a resource. Right. And I think what I like about your approach is you're treating this as a community. The gaming community is just that. It's not the gaming resource. It's a group of people who you get to know, you get to like, you get to be friends with, and you want to see them succeed. You know, Kickstarter is not a, it's not that 12 projects can fund per year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've right. certainly proven that. If you don't want other people to be as successful as you are, that's bad. It's not a competition. I, w- I would say that's not an attitude we had going in, but it's something that afterwards I've been noticing. Some people are treating it, very few, which is nice, are treating it as I'm out to get mine and let's see how these people can help me. It's about how you can all help each other and how it can be. So I, w- I would say that's sort of the flip side to building your base ahead of time. It's not just building a base. It's it's finding your way into this community. Right. That's a great point as well, because I think one of the early things that when you and I first started talking about this is we compared, here's the groups I think you should be a part of. And you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm part of that one, but not these or, you know, that kind of thing. And almost immediately, Doug started offering feedback and, and suggestions and stuff. And, and I thought that was awesome. And Doug's been out there and seen that I do the same thing. <laughs> Just off the top of my, I, I'll say for my part, I know I haven't really, uh, I, I've seen a lot of Doug's feedback. It's been very solid feedback and I haven't seen him do the, and by the way, <laughs> now that I've given you this piece of free advice, make sure that you come back for my Kickstarter. And Doug, you can back me up on this. I'm not out there going, oh, well, by the way, I'm part of all us geeks and right. this is why. And oh, by the way, the game of crowdfunding and, you know, I'm just <laughs> legitimately offering feedback. And if somebody approaches me on why or if somebody else says, hey, you know, you should really talk to Jeff. And all of a sudden it's like, well, why should I talk to Jeff? That's when I'll go, OK, well, this is why. I mean, this this is why they're saying that. But I don't, I don't approach it that way either. I legitimately look through that stuff and go, uh, one, do I have the time right now? <laughs> Is my first thought. Do I have the time to, to draft what I want to draft to, to this person? Otherwise, try to make a mental note, come back later. Uh, and two, do I have valuable feedback to offer or, you know, just something to add to the conversation or to back somebody else up that might have said something that I would have said? And just to, you know, strengthen that, that approach. But I never approach it from, oh, and by the way, why are you not listening to all us geeks? Or, oh, by the way, why have you not been interviewed by me? You know, that kind of thing. That's the, right. that doesn't even come into my mind when I do that. It's the community aspect of it. And like right. I said, that's, that's actually done very well. And having that attitude is done very well for me personally, because then I have people approach me and it's like, Hey, well, how, how do you know about this? Or, Hey, you know, somebody else will say, you, you should listen to Jeff because of this, that kind of thing. And that's where that dialogue might start. 
but that might be 10% of, of the overall feedback I give that might happen on. And that's yeah. fine by me. That's actually pretty high as far as I'm concerned. I, I'd be fine if, as long as somebody gets the advice and gets the project uh, going in the direction they need it to be, that's all I care about at that point. So I, yeah. I thoroughly agree with that. It's, it, you know, my idea of building a base isn't, hey, everybody, this is what you can do for me. It's, hey, here's what I offer. Here's the value I offer. Uh, if right. you appreciate the value I offer, join me for this ride. Right. So, yeah, that's that's a good one. Probably two other things. Um, One was, and I'll do the smaller one first. If you've never run a Kickstarter before, people might just not know this. We had, we had simply no idea when this started. We were not prepared to have people cancel their pledge. Mm. And that was like, that was a system shock. So, you know, those, those first couple days when everybody, you know, everyone, you know, is like, yeah, it's out. I'm going for it. And then it's high in the popular, you know, thing. And so other people are finding you. This is amazing. We're going to make $12 billion, you know, whatever. And then that second week hits and something that somebody wants a little bit more comes along and they cancel the pledge with you. We had no idea you could do that. And so just if you're going to put that up there, be prepared. Even folks I've talked to, I talked to the guys from Nine Kingdoms about uh, they ran Apocalypse uh, right around the same time we were running ours and just awesome guys. And we were talking about that. And he said, what surprised you most? I said, canceled pledges. And he said, us too. I said, well, wait, you guys were successful. He said, yeah, but like every day it would be like three or four people would go, nah. You know, so just bracing yourself for that. It, it's just how it works. Yeah. And just in case anybody's not aware yeah you can anybody can cancel their pledge i think it's either within the last 48 or 24 you can't cancel if it's already funded and you're the one that'll drop it under funding right but other than that i mean if it's well overfunded you can cancel your pledge so you will see that all the way up until potentially your end clock runs down so yeah, it is something that is possible. It it is doable. It's uh, actually, I think, within the last year, they've actually made it easier. I mean, it's it's more visible uh, as far mm-hmm. as being able to cancel your pledge. So it's probably even more prevalent within the last year or so because you actually see how to do it a little easier uh, than yeah. you used to. You actually used to have to dig a bit to actually find the cancel. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely something that can happen. It's definitely something you could you should pretty much expect, no matter who you are. Uh, you should expect yeah. it. Something can happen. And, you know, you're running 30 days. Uh, you would think a, a whole lot wouldn't change in 30 days, but, you know, think of the last time, say, like your car broke down and you weren't expecting it or, you know, just right. anything. You never know what the reasoning is potentially behind it, but something could happen. It, it, it may not be as simple as, well, something better came along. It could just be circumstances suddenly just drastically changed for somebody that they had no control over. It, it, it all, it's just, you know, the uh, chaos factor, if you will. Right. So it's definitely something to just brace yourself for and, and know it's it's going to happen. Yeah. All right. So you said you had one more for us. I had one more, and then I actually thought of one other. Okay, so, so you got two more for us. We'll, <laughs> we'll be here all night. The other one is going in with a pretty clear plan of what you're going to do at each point throughout. We had heard about the dip in the middle. We thought we were ready for the dip in the middle. We thought we knew how it was going to dip in the middle. And then... It wasn't so much a dip as a bottom out. I think there was actually one day, and, and Kick Tracker would, would tell you this, I think there was actually one day when we lost money. Mm-hmm. And so in response to that, we started really scrambling to come up with new ideas and new things to you know energize people and, and get them interested and, and all that sort of stuff. 
And it wound up being certainly more rushed than we would ever have wanted anything to be, you know, like on the phone with our artist, like, Hey, would you do this? Okay, great. And then, okay, now we can make that a level awesome. There's nothing wrong with having a plan that you say, okay, so if things are really going poorly in the middle, here's what we throw at them then. Or, you know, even saying, we know things are going to drop down in the middle. So here's what we throw out day 10, right? And here's our calendar. You know, getting back to the idea of you know, making the calendar the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Day 10, we're going to talk about this. You know, day 11, we're not going to post an update. Day 12, you know, this, that sort of thing. Having that sort of plan for what you're going to do. I've seen a lot of successful projects run into trouble with this with stretch goals that people are expecting to just fund or people are expecting, yeah, maybe we'll hit those three stretch goals. And suddenly they hit all of those three in the first four days. And then they go, uh, (laughs) I guess we could do five more cards. And so having a plan for what do you do if it's not going the way you want it to? What do you do each day if it's going the way you think it will? What do you do if it's going way better than you think it will? That sort of strategy way ahead of time. And then you said you thought of another one. Yes. The the very last one is international shipping. (laughs) The bane Uh, of every Kickstarter's existence. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to name names here, but it wasn't Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Someone told us. You don't need to worry about international shipping. Oh, yeah, that totally uh, wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think I'm giving any defining characteristics here, but if I do, hopefully Jeff will, will edit it out. It was somebody who I absolutely thought should 100% know exactly what he or she was talking about. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, no, international shipping, what you do is you figure out what a flat rate box would cost to ship internationally, then you charge that. It's like $27. If people want it, they'll pay for it. And Right away, a lot of the feedback we got from international backers was, we love this. We are not doubling our pledge to get the game. So how can you get this to us for cheaper? And at at that point, our answer was, well, I mean, it's in the level that that's what it costs. We could add a a group level. You know, if you can find five people in your area who all want to get this, you know, we can consolidate that way. But and so that's something just a little teaser for actionable items. That's something that I hope maybe by the time we talk about that next time i'll have a better answer for it but i don't i don't know yet uh, i still don't have a good answer to that but yeah it like you said it's it's the bane of of kickstarter projects yeah actually i just had somebody recently that, that hasn't launched their project yet uh but they're going to be launching it soon so of course it was the uh hey uh, look this over and and tell me what what you think and the first thing i noticed was they were Canadian. They were running a Canadian. Always a bad story. Yeah. Yes. Trust me. <laughs> I'm well aware. Uh, they, they were Canadian. They were collecting in Canadian money. So they were, they were running it out of Canada. Uh, but they were charging shipping to Canadians without explaining it. And that was my first, I was like, you're re- I was like, if you don't explain this, you are going to get the biggest backlash ever. And of course, what it was is they had they had partnered with somebody in the U.S. Okay. that was doing all of the shipping and fulfillment. But, because presumably you're going to have more U.S. backers, right? And but yeah. nowhere in the project was that initially explained. I don't think they've launched it. I think that actually I don't. They're they're quite a ways out, which is good. Again, they're looking mm-hmm. for the feedback early. But I mean, even just right there, I mean, that's if you do something as as simple as even that you're potentially shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, if you're not yeah. going to tell people why, why am I giving, why am I in Canada? Why am I giving you Canadian money? And I still got to pay for shipping. 
Well, that's huge. I mean, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's, in, you just put a percentage of your backers on the defensive. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's, uh, shipping is, is not trivial. Shipping is not a trivial thing as far as a project is concerned at all. Shipping is the thing that will kill you probably faster than anything else. Shipping is the, probably the, one of the number one reasons people go, you know, we were super successful, but we're broke. Right. <laughs> All right. I think, uh, I think that was a good, good session there. I think we've, uh, covered a lot of nice things and a lot of nice lessons that, uh, Meltdown Games that Doug and John here have been able to learn from their first mm-hmm. foray into Kickstarter with Gothic Doctor. So what we're going to do next month at some point, Doug and I will talk about that and figure out when we're going to bring that to you. Like I said, we're going to try this at least once a month, maybe twice a month. We'll see. We'll see what we have to talk about. Uh, but at least once a month, you will be hearing about the road to relaunch for Gothic Doctor here. So our next session, we are going to plan for the actionable items that came out of those lessons that we just talked about and what Doug and John and Meltdown Games are looking to potentially do here for the relaunch that is coming this summer. All right, Doug, this has been awesome. We had a great conversation. Absolutely. I'm glad we're doing this, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it already has been, so I appreciate it. (laughs) All right, so lots of good stuff still coming to you, of course, uh, as far as All Us Geeks is concerned and the game of crowdfunding. But as far as Doug and I are concerned, we'll talk to you next month. Take care. 